Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Welcome to the latest installment of the Run to Daylight podcast, the NFL edition. We're taking a break from making regular lineups uh, for the NBA to discuss all the activity that's gone on in the NFL since the end of the season. We'll be discussing coaching changes, and now that free agency, the, the big guys are off the board, we'll be talking about that and how it might affect both season-long and daily fantasy with my guest today from Rotoviz Radio, one of the best young minds in the NFL daily fantasy world, Anthony Amico. Um, Anthony, how are you today? I'm doing good, Todd. Uh, thanks for having me on today. Oh, my pleasure. Why don't you tell the folks at home how they can find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Amixta, and uh, I write for Rotoviz, Fantasy Insiders, and 2QBs.com. Awesome. And you can find me at Todd from PA, T-O-D-F-R-O-M-P-A. Um, if you follow me and say you heard the podcast, I will absolutely follow you back. All right. So Anthony and I have talked uh, a few times, and he was actually on my old radio show with Len Barnhart. And I wanted to have him on, and I guess the best place for us to start is with the team that both Anthony and I root for, the New York football giants. It was a rough season last year, wasn't it, Anthony? Yeah, I, uh, there were definitely way too many games that I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't watch the end of not, not a good year. Yeah. And, and basically what was frustrating was twofold for me. One, it was obvious to me the team didn't have enough talent and then they had a chance to actually have a decent year and they lost some, you know, just hellacious losses, like three or four games where you just thought they had it and they ended up losing. It ended up costing Tom Coughlin his job. Um, the interesting thing to me, though, Anthony, was they decided to fire Tom Coughlin but kept Jerry Reese. What was your thoughts when that was going on, and what did you think about giving Jerry Reese another year? I think I probably would have liked him to just get rid of both. Uh, I, I don't know. Like Reese had obviously the really strong draft class when they won their first Super Bowl. They had like seven or eight rookies that contributed. Uh, but then I feel like recently his picks haven't been as good. Uh, the late rounders, you know, every now and then he kind of gets one. But and obviously he drafted Odell. But for the most part, I feel like the players he's drafted, the players he's brought in through free agency, uh, they haven't really performed. And that's kind of why talent-wise the Giants are in the position they're in now. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I feel a little bit like he's just lost his way. He always took a lot of pride in the defensive line. 
They had a lot of strong players on the defensive line, and they invested a lot of money there and in the secondary and really haven't put money into the linebacker position. What do you think about that strategy in the modern NFL? Do you think it's a flawed strategy? I like them going after pass rushers. I think that's what kind of made them great to begin with because, uh, you know, for me, the league is basically built around the quarterback position. So if you can stop them, obviously they already have a great quarterback in Eli. If they can stop opposing quarterbacks, they'll be in good shape. But I, I think that they've probably neglected the linebackers specifically a little too much. I think that, uh, you know, front seven as a whole is pretty important. The Giants have kind of focused more on the front four and not enough on the, the second three. Yeah, it, it seems like we haven't had a good linebacker since Antonio Pierce, who they brought over from the Redskins as a free agent a couple years before the first Super Bowl. And, and you know, I'm kind of torn because I feel like on one hand, it's great when you can get pass rush out of your four and you can drop seven um, into coverage. But what's been going on by the fact that the Giants don't have good linebackers, I, I think the NFL has changed in the value of that linebacker who can play both ways and can cover and really add to your, your back end. I, I really feel like we've been missing that. Uh, w- would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. Definitely. The Giants, I mean, last year especially, they got crushed by tight ends. Uh, really, any of those, uh, you know, crossing routes, seams up the middle, uh, they they got crushed in those. And it's happened for a couple of years. I think last year was obviously the worst. But uh, you need those those guys that can play in coverage and stop the run. And the Giants linebackers really haven't been able to do either. Yeah. And, and the other complaint I have about keeping Jerry Reese in a bubble, I think giving him another chance isn't the end of the world. But you give McAdoo the job, and, well, what happens if a year from now you decide to get rid of Jerry Reese, but you're happy with Ben McAdoo? What happens is then you're going to bring in a general manager who doesn't have a say in who his coach is, and it seems to me that it it could lead to even more dysfunction down the road. But speaking of Ben McAdoo, what did you think of the hire of Ben McAdoo do you think it's a good hire, and would you have gone in a different direction? I have mixed feelings. I think that the Giants, being the kind of organization that they are, you know, they like to build from within and make those kinds of moves. So, like, McAdoo, to me, is kind of like a neutral move. It gives them some continuity, especially on offense, uh, and their offense has been really good. But I kind of would have liked them to wait a little bit longer in the process, uh, you know, till after the playoffs and, and get a piece of some of these top coordinators uh, you know, McDermott from uh, the, the D.C. over in Carolina, uh, McDaniels from the Patriots. I would have liked to them at least have brought those guys in. Uh, but McAdoo isn't, isn't a bad hire, I don't think. Yeah, what was interesting to me is it seemed like when Philly wanted to interview McAdoo, that kind of forced their hand. And Eli, I think ideally they would have liked to have brought in maybe a defensive coach and paired him with Ben McAdoo. Um, but when it seemed like McAdoo would bolt, I just I guess they felt they couldn't take that chance. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, and I think it's exactly what the Bucks did with Dirk Cutter. You know, they they didn't want to lose Dirk Cutter, who was their OC, and uh, they just fired Lovey Smith and and kept him as their head coach. So pretty similar, it, I think, in those two spots. Yeah, and Eli, you know, he is very happy with Ben McAdoo. The offense has made a lot of progress over the last couple of years. 
One thing I wonder about, though, is the Giants have been very pass-happy the last couple years. They don't run the ball much. And with McAdoo taking over, I always heard that Coughlin wanted to run the ball more, and they still didn't run it. Do you think that running back is going to be a bit of a wasteland under Ben McAdoo uh, with the Giants? I don't know if it'll be a wasteland per se. I just think that it'll be a little perhaps overall. Because, uh, I mean, their offense is really at its best when they're in that two-minute look. Uh, Eli's kind of calling the plays as they go, and Vereen's in the backfield or, or in the slot. Uh, and I would like to see them do that more. I mean, I think they're wasting snaps on guys like Andre Williams and Orland Darkwa, those guys. Yeah, I, I don't understand the Andre Williams thing. Um, I don't know if he has naked pictures of, uh, of uh, <laughs> you know, one of the actresses, the Mara daughters or something, but uh, – it, it really, you know, the guy just doesn't have what it takes. And they went out and spent all that money on Vereen. And I agree with you. The offense ran best when Vereen was in there. And not only because I had a ton of Vereen in MFL 10s, but I just felt that they kind of wasted that asset. And I hope they don't do that next year. So we'll, we'll, we'll finish up with the Giants by looking at their free agent pickups so far. They've been very aggressive in free agency. Um, Janoris Jenkins, Damon Harris, and Vernon, the, the pass rusher. What are your thoughts on those three? I like what the Giants have done so far. I think that uh, Denver last year, over the last couple of years really, with John Elway have kind of uh, – you know, set up a secondary means by which to win a Super Bowl, and that's, you know, win defense through free agency and then, you know, build an elite defense, build a great defense that way, sell out in free agency while your window is is open because they had Tate Manning, obviously, on a pretty short window. Uh, And I think the Giants might be kind of doing the same thing here with Eli. He probably only has a couple really good years left. Uh, So their window is closing. So now's kind of the time to sell out in free agency. Uh, Vernon's obviously a great player. They definitely overpaid him, but – if he plays great, it doesn't really matter to me. The cap's going up. Uh, it's probably going to continue to go up. So I think by the end of that deal, that you know, that those numbers probably aren't as drastic as they seem now. And Janoris Jenkins, while he gave up a bunch of touchdowns the last couple of seasons, I think he's a pretty solid, you know, one-to-one man corner. I think he makes a nice pair uh, in their secondary. So I, you know, they might give up some deep plays here and there, but I think they'll also force a ton of turnovers. Uh, and they've kind of been missing that. I think that would be really nice for them to be able to, uh, you know, obviously go get the quarterback, but also have guys at the back end that can make plays. Absolutely. The thing that I liked about um, the moves is they got three guys who are still young and in the prime of their career. They paid them, but they paid good guys. And, you know, what I wouldn't have liked is if they spent a lot of money on older players like Mario Williams, or, um, you know, like they did last year, putting money into players like Thomas and um, Dwayne Harris, you know, and paying them early in free agency when they were not really game changers. Um, Yeah, Jenkins has had some issues with getting burned, but he played much better last year. Um, Harrison is a true run stuffer. The Giants have been abysmal again about stopping the run. Uh, my question is, is he a nose tackle? Can he make the shift to defensive tackle? Um, and, and Vernon, obviously, he, you know, he, he's got some issues from what I read, 
but he is a true pass rusher, a guy who can get to the quarterback. I, I don't know why they picked up that linebacker from, uh, but they didn't seem to pay him very much. The one from Washington. Um, last thoughts on the Giants. Do you think Harrison has what it takes to be a defensive tackle? Uh, yeah, I hope so. I mean, he, uh, you know, snacks, you know, awesome, awesome nickname, obviously coming from, from the Jets. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely think he can play in there. The Giants' run defense, I think, is going to be really good. Uh, they've got, you know, they've got some big fellas now that can kind of sustain blockers in the trenches. I, I think that they'll be really good. If they can get a couple linebackers, I'm hoping that they draft at least one in, like, the first couple of rounds. Uh, if they can get the right guys to plug the holes behind them, I think that I think that, that combo is going to be really good, him and Hankins. It's really strong. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Him and Hankins and Vernon – and, I mean, that defensive line and JPP, they re-signed JPP on a one-year deal. I mean, that's a pretty darn good front four. So we're going to move over to the Tennessee Titans. They haven't made a splash in free agency or in the coaching ranks. And they made a move that was a little puzzling by staying with Mike Malarkey. What were your thoughts on them rehiring Mike Malarkey as coach? Uh, I hated it. <laughs> I thought that it lacked creativity. I mean, they have Marcus Mariota, who's, I think, one of the best young quarterbacks in football, obviously a, a dual-threat player. And I would have really liked them to go and, well, first of all, obviously make a really hard push after a guy like Chip Kelly. But once he was in San Francisco, I just think a, a creative offensive mind would have been a really nice match with their young quarterback, and they kind of just chose to, to stay boring and, and stick with the guy they had. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a very puzzling move. Um, I, I have heard that they're looking to get Marcus Mariota to run a little bit more. Um, I had him in Daily Fantasy, the one game that he had that 70 or 80-yard touchdown run and a couple uh, really good passes. You know, Mariota, for a rookie, really seemed to play pretty good. Do you think with the system that they're in, that he will be able to take it to the next level next year? And if so, what receivers do you think will step up uh, to, to join Delaney Walker? I think Mariota has a chance to be a, a top five quarterback next year for fantasy. Uh, and in terms of real football, obviously, I think he played really well. Uh, they got to Marco Murray. I think that that kind of helps them solidify their run game a little bit, especially if they do draft uh, that guy Tunsil, the tackle from Ole Miss at, with the first pick. So I think that their run game overall will be pretty strong. And then with their receivers, they signed Richard Matthews. I think he's probably a little underrated, uh, you know, to a decent contract. They still have Kendall Wright. Uh, you mentioned Delaney Walker. And, and I really like Doriel Green-Beckham. I think that he is pretty primed to break out in his second season. He's an athletic freak. I thought he played really well last year. So as long as he can kind of stay out of Malarkey's doghouse, I think he's going to have a, a good year. And I think Mariota – there's really no reason why, especially in that division, that Mariota can't you know, really dominate and put up big numbers. Yeah, I, I like Mariota. I liked him more than Winston coming out. I like him more than Winston now. And that will take us over to Dirk Cutter. The, you mentioned earlier how Cutter was uh, brought in um, and promoted with, from within, and they let Lovey Smith go. Uh, a very puzzling move in, in, in a lot of ways. But do you think that Dirk Cutter did a very good job uh, with Jameis Winston as a rookie? And overall, how do you think the change bodes for Tampa's 
fantasy output next year? I really like the move. I mean, I think it helps them to kind of fix bringing in Lovey Smith, who I think is a really mediocre coach. But, I mean, James Winston was awesome as a rookie, 4,000 yards uh, and 22 touchdowns through the air. That's a really strong season for a rookie quarterback, really one of the best that we've seen in a long time. And by keeping Cutter, they maintain continuity with their offense and with their young quarterback. I think Mike Evans is going to take probably the next step forward. Uh, they brought back Doug Martin. I, I think that that whole offense is really going to hum along. And uh, that's a, a little tougher of a defensive division because obviously they play Carolina. But I, I definitely think that Tampa made the right move to keep Cutter, uh, even if it was at the expense of Lovey. Yeah, it was an interesting move. I agree with it. Um, they lost Logan Mankins to retirement. But and they they had two really good rookies who you know people thought they might have reached a little bit for but played pretty well, and Jameis Winston, they kept him under wraps. I think, I, I I think they basically saw in the first few weeks the downside of Jameis Winston as it relates to turnovers, and they kind of squeezed him back. Uh, he played pretty well the rest of the year though, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, he had the five-touchdown game against Philly. And I don't really mind Jameis Winston's turnovers as much as I think a lot of other people do. I think turnovers in football now have, have kind of they're – so, they're so hated that I think they're, that they're a little more okay than most people. Like, uh, Jameis Winston's going to be aggressive with the football. He's going to take shots down the field. And if my turnovers and my interceptions are happening 50 yards down the field and they come at the chance of having a 50-yard play, I think that's a pretty good risk to take. Uh, and Winston's always going to throw picks. He did, he did it in college. It's pretty proven that if you do that in college, you'll do it in the pros. But, uh, I mean, if you're throwing 50-50 ball to Mike Evans, I, I think that long-term that's going to work out really well for them. Yeah, I, I, you know, I wasn't a big Winston fan, uh, but I, I had to admit that he played pretty well. And keeping Dirk Cutter, I think, is a positive move. I expect Tampa overall to improve a little bit next year. Uh, I, I didn't read. What, what's going on with Vincent Jackson? Is he still there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he's still under contract. I don't, I don't really think that they've made any plans for him yet. Gotcha. All right. Well, that takes us over to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, another kind of interesting offseason so far for them. Chip was out. I, I got to admit, I'm pretty impressed with some of the contracts that they've gotten rid of. I said around this time last year that I was afraid that Chip Kelly, the general manager, was going to get Chip Kelly, the G the coach, fired, and that indeed did happen. What do you think of some of the moves that they've made and the people that they've let go so far? And what do you think about them bringing in Doug Pedersen? I think Howie Roseman's done a really good job to kind of clear a lot of those moves that Chip made, a lot of those mistakes that he made as a GM. Uh, I hate the coaching move, though. Like, I mean, they, they've cleared a lot of the players, and they've, they're going to fix up the talent. I'm sure that'll take time. But, I mean, Doug Peterson is pretty unproven. I think that he's kind of boring. I, I mean, I think that Chip Kelly is, uh, you know, 15 times the coach that Doug Peterson is. Uh, the real problem was just, like you said, the, you know, the personnel move. Now, obviously, once you gave Chip that power, there's really no way to remove it from him without firing him. So I get that, but. Uh, I think Peterson was a really uninspiring hire and you know, even more so than the team like the Giants. I mean, they definitely should have waited playoffs to get, you know, to get looks at top coordinators. 
Yeah, I, I think that I like the P, the Pedersen or Peterson move a little bit more than you do. Um, Andy Reid, I mean, basically Peterson got the most out of that offense the last couple of years. Um, the question I have, and uh, it comes down to, is this an Andy Reid thing or a Doug Pedersen thing? But the whole Travis Kelsey fiasco and how they could just – criminally underuse a guy like that last year. Um, I, I thought that was the biggest thing that worries me about him. He did bring with him, though, Chase Daniel from the Chiefs. And I've heard a lot of people say that they think he could be a starter in this league. What's your thoughts on Sam Bradford playing in a more traditional offense and having to look over his shoulder a bit at Chase Daniel? who they paid more than just backup money. I think it's good for Sam Bradford and probably good for Philly. I mean, you need you need to have competition, I think, to get the most out of players that aren't that good, and I don't think Sam Bradford's that good. Uh, you know, you paid Chase Daniel a little bit of money. He's obviously making, you know, a pretty decent amount. Like you said, uh, you know, more than backup money, not quite starter money, but definitely enough where if they make a move there at quarterback, they can – you know, they can rationalize that with the contract. It's not really that big of a deal. And, and I've always kind of liked Chase Daniel. He's a guy who's productive in college, uh, you know, backed up Drew Brees, another really small quarterback. So he's learned probably the best. He's probably learned the best from the best how to play quarterback at that size. And, uh, you know, he might end up being the best guy there. I mean, he has familiarity with the system. I think that's pretty big. Yeah, I think that I might take some chances on Chase Daniel in the 20th round of MFL 10s once I get started doing them, which I haven't done yet because I don't know enough about real rookies, so I tend to wait until after the NFL draft. But the last coach of the Philadelphia Eagles is now the new coach of the San Francisco 49ers, and this is another area where I think maybe you and I differ a little bit I hear all the talk about how Chip Kelly is a genius, and I do think that he certainly has brought some very interesting concepts to the NFL, but I wonder how much of it was people getting used to his system and how much of it was the lack of talent last year. What, what do you think of the Chip Kelly hire overall in San Francisco? I love it. Uh, I'm a huge Chip Kelly fanboy, so maybe you take that with a grain of salt, but I think that he is one of the top football minds out there. You don't want him handling your player personnel, but if you give him players, definitely make great things happen. And we saw that his first couple of years in Philly. We've obviously seen that throughout his entire college coaching career. So I think they have some pretty good players. Uh, they probably won't have Colin Kaepernick. He's, he wants out. seems like that's probably going to happen pretty soon, but They'll get a quarterback in there that I think can move. Maybe it's RG3. Maybe they get someone in the draft uh, who's mobile. And I think that that's going to really – I think we're going to finally see, like, the next level of the Chip Kelly offense because uh, that offensive line is still pretty decent. And I think Torrey Smith has a lot of juice left. So I think we're going to see some good things this year from Chip. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting. To me, the the thing that didn't get the headlines that I think is a problem with Chip Kelly is that he doesn't seem to be able to get along with the top players. Um, I, I hate to say the top African-American players, but that was the case in Philadelphia. And 
it'll be interesting. You know, he doesn't have all the power, but that doesn't change the way he views life. And he seems to have this view of kind of a college view where if you're not all in and all excited, then then he's not interested in you. What are your thoughts about him? Possible? Do you think that's something that he absolutely needs to mature on? Or do you think that San Francisco can kind of put up with that? I don't know if there's really that much legitimacy to stuff like that. I mean, if you look at the guys that he's let go, uh, you know, LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, like those guys have all had problems elsewhere since leaving the, the Eagles. Like, I don't Evan know Mathis. if that's a Chip Kelly problem. Yeah, Evan Mathis. Uh, Evan Mathis wasn't even that good this year. So, like, I don't think – I don't think Chip Kelly has like this big problem with players that people think he do. I think think that he's a smart coach and a good coach, and uh, I think that sometimes people just clash at that. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily think that he's going to have those same problems in San Fran. But I do think that being on the West Coast is probably better for him, just because that's kind of where he's made his home for the last you know, decade and a half. Well, he also kind of has this thing. Um, where Trent Baalke is there. Trent Baalke got rid of Jim Parbaugh in a power struggle. They parted company. Um, so I, I do think that, there, you know, you have to be aware that this could be a very volatile situation. Um, it, to me, it's the most interesting of all the changes and all the things that to look for. I think it could go either way, honestly. I think you could be right. And I also think that Chip could continue to end up shooting himself in the foot. So we'll have to see. Now, Colin Kaepernick, um, it seems like he wants to go to the Browns, which gets us to our next hire, which is Hugh Jackson. And along with Hugh Jackson, the Browns, who have been known to be the probably the most dysfunctional franchise in a, in the league, uh, first went out and made a very interesting move, bringing in from the New York Mets and Moneyball fame, Paul DePotesta and his type of analytics. Do you think that was a good move? And do you think that that type of analytics that works so well in baseball is something that can translate to the NFL? It's hard to comment uh, about stuff like that just because I feel like where deep Podesta is going to be at his best is probably going to be, you know, with some of those management things that we'll never see, but it definitely can't hurt. I mean, I think just, you know, surround yourself with smart people and you'll probably end up having a pretty good organization. Uh, Cleveland's had, I think a lot of trouble maintaining smart people just with the way their owner has kind of just been pretty recklessly, I think just like bringing guys in and then firing them pretty quickly. So uh, getting a guy like Deep Podesta, I don't think could ever be a bad thing. Uh, I think this team is is probably going in the right direction. I mean, Hugh Jackson was obviously a great offensive coordinator, but even when he was a head coach with Oakland, they were respectable with him. I mean, that that's kind of over a time where Oakland was a joke, and uh, they were pretty close to 500. I think they might have actually been 8-8 eight eight one year uh, under Hugh. So I don't, I don't, I think that's a really good hire for them. I think bringing both of those guys is probably good. Yeah, I like the Hugh Jackson hire a lot. He certainly has a way with the players. They like playing for him. And in the NFL, that matters a lot. Um, I think, again, it was a case of Hugh Jackson, the general manager, getting Hugh Jackson, the coach, fired. He gave up multiple first-round picks to get a quarterback in Carson Palmer. And, you know, that, I think, was more than anything why he ended up being out in Oakland 
As for Paul D. Podesta, my thoughts are that uh, just as numbers became more and more important in baseball and helped to identify players and trends that could be of value, I mean, we play DFS, and we know that these numbers guys, the guys who are really good at numbers, do really well in NFL DFS. And I would just have to think that maybe it's not to the level of baseball, but I, I have to believe that using those types of analytics will help you to identify talent that might be getting overlooked. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, football, like you said, is not as powerful uh, of an analytical sport just because there's so many moving parts. I mean, baseball is obviously like, the numbers basically tell the whole story. You can you can pretty much know everything you have to know about baseball just by looking at the numbers. You don't have to watch anything. Uh, football is probably not like that. But I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think every sport right now is starting to use analytics more. We have, you know, player tracking data is starting to be a thing now in football. Uh, and you could find a, a way to use that and exploit some holes uh, and market inefficiencies. It's definitely possible. Yeah, or identify and help you to draft players who turn out to be successful uh, trends. I mean, you work for Rotoviz and Kevin Cole, the numbers guy, is constantly. Uh, I'm always getting updates on my Twitter feed about how they use analytics to kind kind of determine who's going to be good and who's going to be bad for dynasty purposes. So I, I definitely think that that will translate. And again, it's one of the things that I'm more interested in, see, most interested in seeing how it plays out as we start going through the next couple years. As for Colin Kaepernick, um, do you think Hugh Jackson can turn him around? I mean, the man certainly has a tremendous amount of talent. And one thing that I love about Hugh Jackson as a coach is he doesn't have a system per se, but he seems to have the ability to tailor his approach to his players. Uh, so do you think he can help Kaepernick if, if, they, if he ends up there? Yeah, definitely. I, I, Hugh is, for my money, one of the best, uh, you know, offensive play callers out there. I think he knows how to call a really good game. He could definitely make the most of Kaepernick's skill set. I mean, this is a guy that got Andy Dalton to be really successful in Cincinnati, and Andy Dalton is basically like, you know, a piece of toast without any butter on it. Like he's just he's boring, doesn't really have anything going for him. I think I think he gets a hold of Kaepernick's tools, and he could definitely make some things happen. Yeah, I think that is another way to look at things as well. You know, these moves aren't just about the teams that hired people, but who replaces Hugh Jackson in Cincinnati. And, you know, Andy Dalton is most likely going to be drafted much higher than he was last year. And it'll be interesting to see if he can continue to grow without Hugh Jackson there. Now we're going to head over to the Miami Dolphins and probably my favorite hire of this uh, offseason. Uh, I really like the, the Gase hire. They've got a quarterback there who they desperately need to get going. It's very hard to find guys with the talent of Ryan Tannehill, but he's been maddeningly inconsistent. He's also had a different offensive coordinator every year. They lose Lamar Miller. What are your thoughts on the Gase hire and the trajectory of the Miami Dolphins and whether they can get uh, Gase can do what he did in both Denver and Chicago and get a stagnant offense going. 
It's a really tough question. I mean, I think that Gase is pretty smart. Obviously, he's worked with a lot of different personnel groups. Uh, so that's definitely a good move for Miami. They'll probably stop wasting talent, uh, you know, what talent they have. Uh, I don't know if I really like Ryan Tannehill, though. Like, I don't, I don't know if Ryan Tannehill is good. That's a huge question mark for me. Now, he obviously got Gase that is the most out of a guy like Jay Cutler. Uh, but Jay Cutler has enormous physical skills. We talk about arm talent. Uh, you know, Jay Cutler might not have a lot of the stats, but he has, you know, one of the best three or four arms in the league. Uh, I don't know if, if Tannehill is necessarily a step up from Jay Cutler. Like, I think Tannehill still has a lot of questions to be answered. Uh, now I'm sure Gase can probably get the most out of him. Uh, I just question kind of what that is. Yeah, it, that's another very interesting thing. You know, to me, Ryan Tannehill has enough talent. I think he has top 15 talent. Um, I think part of the problem is arm strength, and part of the problem is Joe Philbin was just awful. And he spent a good part of his career working for someone who was awful. So, uh, again, one of the really interesting things that we're going to look forward to, um, I've been a little concerned about some of the Dolphins' uh, moves. You know, we live in the New York area. We got to see Mike Tannenbaum in action with the Jets, and a lot of his moves to me always seemed reckless. Uh, what do you think about them letting Lamar Miller go and some of the other things so far? Letting Lamar Miller go is okay. I mean, they signed uh, C.J. Anderson to an offer sheet. We'll see if they can get him. Uh, they have Jay Ajayi, who they drafted last year. So I, I think I think at running back, they're pretty set. I just question a lot of their other moves. Uh, they brought in Mario Williams. They paid him pretty handsomely. Uh, I think it's fair to question kind of what he has left in the tank after what basically was like a wasted year in Buffalo. Uh, you know, they traded for Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso. I think Alonso is a pretty good player, uh, but Byron Maxwell was, was terrible last year. He got cooked all over the field. Uh, he's still on a really big contract. I, I think that they might have restructured it somewhat, but, uh, you know, you're still paying this guy and you still gave up, you know, draft compensation to acquire him. And I, I don't know if he's really that good. Uh, they brought in a couple, they brought in a safety, they brought in a wide receiver. Like they've just made a kind of a ton of moves. Uh, and this is, kind of what they've been I feel like the last few years is they just make a ton of free agency moves and then they go like seven to nine yeah uh, you know I, I do like the Gase hire I think that he is absolutely quality I mean I I was really surprised that he didn't get the job in Denver I, I mean it ended up all working out Gary Kubiak led them to a Super Bowl but then he goes and follows John Fox to Chicago and does what a lot of people thought was impossible, which is to get the most out of Jay Cutler without him, um, you know, having a ton of turnovers. And it'll be really interesting to see. I, I think it was the best thing that could have happened to Ryan Tannehill. And I think that if Gase can't turn Tannehill around, nobody can. So we'll, we'll head over to the next team in that division. We were talking about them a minute ago. And the New York football Jets, no coaching changes per se, but they brought in a very interesting free agent in Matt Forte to take the place of Chris Ivory. They have kind of what some people think have low-balled Ryan Fitzpatrick, and now they're kicking the tires on RG3. What are your thoughts on those three 
And would you prefer to see the Jets go with uh, pay up for Fitz or RG3? I like what the Jets have done. Uh, they paid Matt Forte very, very little money, $4 million this year. Uh, they also brought back Lyle Powell. So I think offensively they're doing a lot of things with their skill players. I mean, if, if uh, you know, they can get Lyle Powell to up some of the numbers he did last year, I think Forte will definitely be a big help. I think he's better than Chris Ivory at this point in their careers. And I, I kind of like the way they're playing the quarterback position. Fitzpatrick for them last year. Uh, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is really an average talent, probably below average. Uh, he's basically only been successful with Chan Gailey. Uh, and it, I think that if they can get RG3 and save some money, because uh, I think RG3 would definitely be cheaper, uh, they'll be really well off. Uh, RG3 is immensely more talented than a guy like Fitzpatrick. Yeah, the thing that always intrigued me about RG3 was – his rookie, you know, he, he had a 65% completion percentage. And most running quarterbacks, the big struggle is to get them above 60. And RG3 has never had that problem. You've got Chan Gailey there. I, I, I do think that he lost the gear on the run game. I don't think he'll, we'll ever see the RG3 that we saw in his rookie year as it relates to running. So it remains to be, you know, questioned whether without the threat of running, he can continue to complete enough passes. But, um, you know, I, I I think that somebody, and I'd like it to be the Jets, give RG3 a chance, give him someone good like Chan Gailey. And as far as the Matt Forte thing goes, I mean, Ivory played well, but you know, when Chris Ivory's in the game, you pretty much know that either you get, they're going to run the ball to him or throw. Um, Matt Forte is one of the best receiving backs in the league, and maybe they bring in Bilal Powell on third down, but on first and second down, if Matt Forte's in there, I think that just the threat of him in the pass game opens up the passing game even more. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I definitely agree. Uh, Forte's really accomplished there. I think that they were really good out of the shotgun last year. And Chris Ivory's just not a running back that you want in the shotgun. He's the guy you want to run with power. You want to run downhill out of probably more traditional sets. So if they're going to be a shotgun offense, uh, I think Forte is definitely a much better fit than Ivory. We talked about the Bengals, and they've lost not one but two wide receivers in Marvin Jones and uh, Mohamed Sanu. Marvin Jones going over to Detroit to replace Megatron. Um, no one can replace Megatron, but what do you think of that move? Do you think Marvin Jones is going to be able to be a number one receiver? Uh, definitely not. Uh, I don't really like the move. I think they overpaid for Marvin Jones. Uh, he's pretty much never accomplished anything at any level of football past high school. I mean, he was second banana in college to a couple guys, but he's been second banana in the pros. Uh, you know, obviously to A.J. Green. Uh, and I think Golden Tate's going to be the lead dog there. And if there's going to be a, a good secondary target that emerges, I think it's probably going to be Eric Ebron, the tight end they drafted uh, a few years ago. Uh, Sean Siegel at Rotoviz has already written up why he thinks that's possible. You should definitely check that out. Uh, and he makes a really good argument. I mean, Ebron's a really talented player. He's probably more talented than Jones is, respectively, at their positions. And uh, I think he's definitely break out. Yep, and Mohamed Sanu uh, going to the Falcons, to me, was also fairly puzzling. 
Um, he's a guy who couldn't beat out Marvin Jones and played, you know, fairly well. But do you really think that he's going to be a solid number two and take pressure off of Julio Jones? Or do you think that move was a bit underwhelming? It's definitely underwhelming, but I also think that, they, that they're not done. Like, I, I could definitely see them adding uh, another receiver in the draft. I think that's what they should do. Uh, Rich Rebar calls these guys, guys lid lifters, you know, guys that just take the top off the defense. And uh, I definitely think they need one of those guys. Sanu is more of a guy that's going to eat up targets underneath. He's not really the kind of compliment you want necessarily for Julio, especially with kind of how they used Julio last year where he was, uh, you know, working all these screens and stuff. I think they need a, another guy. Uh, kind of like how they used Hankerson to just, you know, go deep, uh, take take away some coverage, and, and let the underneath game work. Yeah, I agree that they need uh, – I think Justin Hardy is still got a chance to be a good wide receiver. Um, to me, he showed some flashes. What, what are your thoughts on Justin Hardy? Uh, he doesn't really do anything for me. I, I think that Hardy is – I, he's just kind of like a mad talent. Like he's, he's not a good athlete. He had decent production in college, but I think overall Justin Hardy is, is kind of just a guy. Yeah. The best move I think they made was bringing in Alex Mack to play center. I think that is one of the better moves in free agency. Uh, what are your thoughts on Alex Mack as a center at this point in his career? Do you th- still think he'll be with the Alex Mack? that he was before his injury in Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, and it's definitely a great move for Atlanta. Like you said, they, their offensive line has been terrible the last few years. Uh, and Mac is still for my money, one of the best centers in, in the league. Uh, Cleveland has always run the ball really well behind him and Joe Thomas. Uh, and I think that if they bring, you know, by bringing him in, they automatically improve their offensive line, especially for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has been, I feel like under pressure constantly the last two or three seasons. Yeah, and and Matt Ryan definitely did not play well last year. And you you wonder, uh, we've seen it before with David Carr and some other guys who showed flashes early in their career. If if you get too many sacks and too much pressure, it, it can permanently scar you. So hopefully Mac um, and Jake Matthews hopefully will play better than he did last year. Uh, the first two years, I mean, where he was kind of met considering his pedigree. Um, but earlier you spoke about a guy who can take the top off. I think the Chargers picked up one of those guys when they picked up Travis Benjamin. Don't Do you think? Yeah, definitely. And I like that move. Uh, I think that uh, Phillip Rivers over his career has always been a guy to, you know, kind of threaten the defense down the field. And they've really struggled to fill that position the last couple of seasons. Uh, Malcolm Floyd has obviously been aging. He's been injured. Uh, now he's gone. So I think replacing that role is pretty important for them, even if it doesn't show up necessarily in the box score through Benjamin's numbers uh, specifically. I just think his presence opens up a lot more things underneath for Keenan Allen and for Antonio Gates. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, that was a very strong move. Benjamin played very well. And everything I heard was that the Browns wanted to keep him. So that was a a little surprising to me that he ended up going to the Chargers. But I don't think he could have gone to a better spot. I think he, in DFS every Sunday, is going to be one of those guys who you, if you want to win a GPP, you're going to have to consider because his salary probably will never be that high. 
But I think on any given day with Philip Rivers, like Malcolm Floyd before him, could go for two touchdowns and 150 yards. Oh, absolutely. And I also was a little surprised with uh, with Gates' age that they let Ladarius Green go, Heath Miller, kind of surprised the Steelers by retiring. He's always been Big Ben's security blanket. And Ladarius Green ending up in Pittsburgh, do you think that's a good move? Is that another ideal spot for a player? I think it's an amazing move. Uh, Comes in and replaces a guy like uh, Keith Miller. They're an offense that has been really successful in the past game with Todd Haley. Uh, And now it's just coming out today that Mark Tavis Bryant is probably going to be suspended for all of 2016 uh, for breaking the league substance abuse policy. So, uh, especially for losing a guy like Bryant, they're going to need another big body to replace him, especially in the red zone. And I think that Green can definitely be that guy. Yeah, I mean, Green really played good a, a few different times when um, when Gates was out. He, uh, I, I think he helped win a few people some GPPs. And I think that he can also get down the field a little bit better than Heath does. I imagine that they lose a good bit in blocking uh, with going to, from uh, Heath Miller to Green. Uh, I heard the Martavis Bryant news, and it really is sad because he truly is one of the rare talents in the league. Um, Marcus Wheaton will be given probably another chance, and I think it opens up the possibility, again, depending on what happens in the draft, but it seems like the Steelers were pretty happy with Ben Coates. And Ben Coates has a lot of talent. The knock on him has been his ability to catch the ball. Yeah, uh, and that's Sammy Coates. Uh, ben Coates I'm sorry. Is, ben Coates like is the end. old uh, Patriot. <laughs> yeah. um, but Sammy I'm living Coates, in the 90s. Yeah, hey, nothing wrong with the 90s, man. Those are great years. Um, I, think that, uh, I think Sammy Coates could definitely take a step forward. I already wrote about him over at Rotoviz a couple of times. And, you know, for me, Coates is, like you said, he's, he's a tremendous athlete that hasn't been able to figure it out yet. But that's kind of what Pittsburgh does with guys. They, they push them to the next level. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, this time next year we're talking about how good of a sophomore season Sammy Coates has. Yep, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, they re-signed Darius Hayward Bay, and Ben has actually gotten some production out of that guy, um, who every time he goes to catch the ball, I hear clanking sounds from his metal arms. Um, but, uh, you know, Ben is just one of those guys who seems to put the ball, kind of like Peyton Manning, just so much talent that it seems like he's able to put the ball in places and make receivers who don't, who aren't successful elsewhere successful. Um one of the most intriguing moves to me, I remember back l- loving Wes Welker when he was with the Dolphins and really thinking that the, the Pats got a steal. Then Julian Edelman uh, kind of came in and, and has played amazingly. Um, he's not the same kind of short quickness, but I, I felt like Chris Hogan played very well the last couple of years kind of went unnoticed and kind of did it without any quarterback. 
And I really think one of the most under-the-radar moves of this offseason is Chris Hogan going to the Patriots. What are your thoughts on the move? And do you think he could really step up his game? I think I lost you. Anthony? Hmm. Okay. I don't hear you. I'm going to kick you out and try and call back in. All right. So it looks like either my connection is bad or... um, Something along those lines. We're going to try. We're almost done, but uh, let's see if. Uh, well, who's this trying to call in? Let's see. Hello. Hello. Hmm. Someone else called in, and I can't hear. Let's. Uh, Let's see what's going on here. All right. So uh, looks like we are having a little bit of problems with the uh, ability for the host. Hello? All right. So we're going to try this one more time. Anthony. How do you handle this? Maybe you play some music and hope that he comes back on. Anthony? Anthony... I get the feeling you can probably hear me, but I can't hear you. So um, I don't know what to do. Anthony? Hello? Hello. All right. Well, I just can't seem to hear Anthony at this point. And we were getting down to the end. I was going to talk about the Jags and Chris Ivory and the Texans and Brock Osweiler and Miller. But uh, I just can't seem to hear Anthony. So a little bit of a glitch. Hey, Anthony, if you can hear me, try calling in at 646 668-8928. Let's see if that works. All right. Well, we're going to give it one last try to get Anthony in. I don't know if it is a caller issue or what's going on, but... Um, That is going to do it for the show if I can't get him back on. Let me refresh my connection. Uh, 
All right. Well, everything seems kind of frozen right now. And so I will play the goodbye music. Unfortunately, we seem to lose um, Anthony at the end there. Not exactly the best thing that ever happened to a show, but it is the Internet. These things do happen. I want to thank Anthony Amico for coming on. Hopefully I can get him on again in the near future and we can try and uh, see what happens. You there? Hello? Yeah, I, I just can't hear Anthony. Poor Anthony. Anthony. Hey. You there? Yeah, here we go. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's the internet. These things happen. Anyone who managed to stay on and uh, is still there and... Uh, Survive the train wreck. We'll, we will finish up with the, the last couple things I was going to mention. Um, I, I was asking about Chris Hogan and what your thoughts are of that move. And do you think that's an under-the-radar move and that he has the ability to step up? Yeah. Uh, sorry, again, for the delay. Um, I uh, Yeah, Chris Hogan is kind of like a sneaky Patriots move. Really good athlete. Uh, always performed in Buffalo when he got targets. Uh, and then the Patriots kind of swoop in and, and grab them like they usually do. I, I like the move for them. Yeah, I feel like um, it reminds me of the Welker move, a guy who had played really well in another place in the division. Um, I don't think he has Welker's uh, short space ability. But, again, we were talking about Big Ben's ability to get the most out of people. Uh, I, I'm going to take some flyers on Chris Hogan in MFL 10s. Yeah, I could definitely get behind that. All right. So um, only really uh, two moves left that I want to discuss with you. One is that male salons in the New Orleans area are um, rejoicing at the fact that uh, Kobe Fleener and his salon quality hair are heading to New Orleans. <laughs> but beyond salon quality hair, what what do we make of Kobe, uh, Fle- you know, a Fleener? And is the real guy to target out of that move Dwayne Allen? Uh, I think I like Fleener. Um, I, not like a great athlete. Like, I, I think in a vacuum, Fleener is probably pretty average as a tight end, maybe a little above average. Uh, pretty notorious for drops. Uh, not, you know, not a great athlete, but a pretty good athlete. But I think he's going to do really well in, in New Orleans. They've always had good tight end production, whether it's Jimmy Graham, Ben Watson, Jeremy Shockey. Uh, all those guys have been able to produce there. And this is a team that's losing a ton of targets. They lost Ben Watson. Marquez Colson has gone too. Uh, that's 177 targets off the team. So I'm sure some of those will go to guys like Brandon Cooks and uh, you know some of the other guys that they have there. But I think Fleener is a decent bet for – you know, 90 targets, 100 targets, and he could do a lot with that, I think, in New Orleans. 
Yeah, I'm a big Dwayne Allen fan, and having the two tight ends, um, again, it's hard to really say until um, after the draft when you really see all the assets the team has brought in in full. But Dwayne Allen's a guy who has played very well. He's a good blocker. Uh, Fleener, you know, I think it says a lot about Josh Hill that they brought Fleener in. Um, I know he was kind of the uh, boutique tight end this time last year, and it didn't work out. And, you know, there's a history now. I mean, Spiller was brought in last year, and they barely used him. So it'll be interesting to see how much Drew Brees has left. And But overall, I think for Fleener, it was a good choice and a good place to go. Um, last but certainly not least was the big news that big news because he's six foot six, Brock Osweiler ending up with the Texans, and uh, they also brought in Lamar Miller. And what do you think about Denver not being able to close the deal with Osweiler? And how good do you think he is? And is it a significant upgrade for the Texans? I think Osweiler stinks to be honest, like uh, he's, he might be like a B minus quarterback, but I don't think he'll ever be better than that. Uh, I think that the Broncos did really well to not overpay him and to let him walk. Uh, they get draft compensation for that probably somewhere in the third round. Uh, they'll get a pick just for Osweiler signing elsewhere. Uh, and they, they probably already made their, their move. I mean, they brought in Mark Sanchez. They might draft a guy. Uh, maybe they can get onto RG three, but I think whoever they bring in, they're going to be paying that guy less than Osweiler and probably get pretty much the same guy, if not better production uh, than they would have. Uh, Houston, I think, way overpaid. They have a great quarterback coach in Bill O'Brien, uh, so it could work out. But I, I think overall Osweiler is, is just not the guy. Well, it'll be interesting. Uh, the guy I'll compare him to a little bit is Nick Foles, you know, big guy with an arm, um, but – the fact that Peyton Manning, who was clearly done last year, was able to get that job back um, and that Osweiler had two of the better wide receivers in the game and they still couldn't you know, consistently move the ball with him, it, it is a warning sign for sure. Um, I like the Lamar Miller signing. I think that that was pretty good. Um, obviously, you couldn't put any more eggs in Arian Foster. And, you know, I, I think that the Texans are better than they were this time last year because Ryan Mallett nor Brian Hoyer were the answer. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can take the step up. He certainly has the number one receiver um, to be able to put up big numbers. Uh, what are your thoughts on Miller? And um, what are your thoughts on the Jags move of Chris Ivory? Uh, that that was a little puzzling considering they had T.J. Yeldon. Yeah, uh, just first on Miller, I think he has a legit chance to be the top running back overall this year in fantasy. Uh, we consider his combination of talent and efficiency mixed with the workload that he'll probably get in Houston. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, I don't get the ivory move at all. I mean, I think that they're severely undervaluing uh, Yeldon, who they just drafted last year. Uh, I don't think Ivory is better. I don't think there's any one aspect of the game that Ivory is better at than Yeldon. Uh, so I, I think he's a pure backup. At least that's how I think they should use him. I don't know if that's how they will use him. 
But, uh, yeah, I don't like the move at all. I mean, they could have drafted a guy, I think, in the fifth or sixth round that probably would have been a better bit player uh, than Ivory's going to be. Awesome. Well, Anthony, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, hopefully I can have you back on again after the NFL draft and we can kind of update, um, you know, as we head to training camp on the teams and how things are going. Uh, what else is going on with you? Anything you want to plug or promote before we say goodbye? Uh, no, I mean, just keep checking out all the great work uh, from myself and all the other people at Rotoviz. Uh, you know, Sean Siegel, Kevin Cole, uh, a lot of the guys there, a bunch of people I haven't named yet, obviously, uh, put out some really great content. We're going to have uh, the wide receiver Sweet 16 coming out at Rotoviz, the running back Sweet 16, two really good series that you're going to want to keep track of. Uh, and, of course, you know, just check out all the latest two-quarterback information over at 2QBs.com. Great team there. Sal Stefanelli, uh, Joshua Lake, to name a couple, Greg Smith. So, uh, yeah, just keep checking out all that stuff. And this is, this is kind of the time to start cluing in on fantasy. Yep. I, uh, I'm a big fan of Rotoviz. I love their MFL 10 app. And they just have a tremendous amount of content for the money you pay for it. Um, I, I highly recommend it. And typically, if you listen to the Rotoviz pod, any of the podcasts, they will give you a discount off of a Rotoviz pass. So um, strongly recommend that to anyone who might be listening. Um, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the Run to Daylight podcast. It was a pleasure to have you. Um, hopefully, the decisions that these teams make will lead to this. And not this. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace.